Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's AFWA Los Angeles Las Vegas section. Uh, very special meeting. Uh, we have uh, two distinguished speakers today uh, for very exciting uh, 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 topic for the bright future for aerospace and for mankind. Uh, so the uh, the first speaker, actually, they were kind of you know talking between, but uh, uh, officially uh, the term the speaker, the first one will be Professor David Highland. And um, as you see online, Professor David Highland is a professor emeritus in aerospace engineering and also adjunct professor of physics in cardio science and also the Weissenbaker chair of engineering and the director director space science and space engineering research in Texas A&M uh, in Texas. It's, he's also a president of Augusta Quantum Electrodynamics uh, Incorporated. Uh, he's presenting online. Uh, then we do have uh, Mr. Uh, Sean Boyke here in person. And the Professor Highland uh, is a distinguished, distinguished professor. He's uh, uh, from MIT and uh, he's serving the area of reentry system technologies and the spacecraft control at the MIT Lincoln Library uh, for 14 years until 1983. He then led an advanced technology group at the Harris Corporation as senior scientist until 1996. Uh, in the same year, he joined the University of Michigan in Auburn uh, as professor and the chairman of the aerospace department during this time. Uh, this department research activity increased threefold uh, while he was there. He went to Texas A&M University in 2003 as associate vice chancellor of engineering and also as associate dean of research administration. Dr. Highland also served as Royce E. Weissenbaker, chair of engineering, professor of aerospace engineering, adjunct professor of physics, director of space science and space engineering research until his recent retirement from Texas A&M in August 2017. In September, uh, Dr. Highland established Augusta Quantum Electrodynamics Incorporated. Uh, he continued his continuing research interests, including advanced RF systems, nanotechnologies, uh, nanotechnologies for power collection and the transmission, and the quantum process for novel distributed imaging system and advanced propulsion. So without further ado, let's welcome uh, Professor David Highland. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. Well, uh, to begin with, uh, the power star concept was developed in uh, 2015. And at the time I said that it was uh, so new, it's scarcely noticed and so old it's almost forgotten. Since then, uh, four patents, both US and Japanese have been awarded for this invention. Uh, also since then, we became aware that Power Star was also a very potent weapon. And indeed, uh, this is a realization that greatly increases the urgency for its rapid development, enabling essentially a shield against global war. This aspect will be discussed in the last section of my presentation. Returning to its application uh, for uh, uh, solar power satellites, uh, we find that PowerStar is 
capable of performance that outshines all previous SPS concepts. Uh, previous concepts involved uh, gigantic, complex, articulated structures uh, containing numerous, perhaps thousands of moving parts, requiring numerous launches uh, and on-orbit fabrication and construction involving serious dynamic stability issues for, for such large structures. Power Star, Power Star co combines very new and very old technologies to obtain the simplest possible structure. No moving parts except electrons and photons. One launch vehicle, uh, a one kilometer system can fit into several existing uh, 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 launch vehicles, and uh, they involve no on-orbit construction and are inherently dynamically stable and with a considerable robustness with respect to damage and so on. So anyway, these, these abilities stem from a, a combination of uh, both new and old technologies. So I'm going to uh, discuss the new technology for, first. And that, that amounts to uh, basically printing things on flexible membranes, okay? And uh, what, uh, what the... Uh, what the Hi, is Sarah, attracts. any way to put that in presentation mode, please, so it gets bigger? We don't need to see the slides on the left. I'm, I'm sorry, what? What can you, you put your PowerPoint in presentation mode? That'll make it full screen. We don't need oh. to see the little slides on the left and left. You do. It'll just help us out on this end. Perhaps. Okay. Very. Yes. Very. Thank good. you. Thank sorry, you. Sorry. sorry. Yep. Uh, oops. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I got a security alert. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> there we go. Well, actually. Lovely. Uh, thank you. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I'm, I'm still getting all our uh, faces <laughs> on my, my screen. But we'll, uh, we'll work with that. Um, yeah, so the, the fundamental component of the Power Star is uh, uh, what we call solar microwave fabric. fabric. And uh, uh, this is something uh, in which uh, solar collectors and microwave transmitters are printed on a thin uh, fabric, uh, probably in a randomized pattern if uh, the uh, solar cells and patch antennas are not uh, uh, are, are not uh, overlapping. And these uh, solar collectors and transmitters are combined in local modules. Uh, such that uh, we have, as will be explained later, uh, no high, high voltage power distribution systems necessary. The, the fabric uh, collects solar energy and uh, uh, then uh, powers uh, micro mic uh, microwave uh, antennas. And uh, uh, then uh, forms uh, beam uh, forms beams to tower to 
to uh, descend the power power beams toward the uh, uh, toward the earth, uh, thus producing power for the rectenna rectennas on the ground, and using entirely different uh, well entirely uh, uh, um, localized uh, set of uh, uh, controlling systems. Uh, there are two modes of operation. Uh, the, uh, in the, pa the passive mode, uh, a cooperative target uh, beams a low amplitude beacon uh, to the power star. And uh, uh, th that, uh, that is used uh, to, uh, to achieve a high an antenna gain uh, so that uh, the, uh, the power star uh, beam uh, actually shines most of its uh, most of its uh, question. Dave, Dave, our screen over here only shows the solar microwave fabric. It doesn't show any of your beaming, any of the rectenna. We've never moved from screen uh, slide number, whatever we are. I think he's still in those bullets on the bottom. Oh, he's doing those. Oh, sorry, buddy. So, <laughs> okay. No, no. I mean, I, I'm a. Little, I'm not tracking you there, but no, I think. Yeah. So, so. Uh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Actually. Uh, so in the passive mode, basically, we're using uh, the uh, retro retro directive uh, uh, power uh, transmission uh, algorithms. Okay. And uh, and uh, basically, it. Uh, it is triggered as essentially triggered by by uh, low power beacons situated on each of the rectennas. Okay, we'll get into that uh, in more detail in a minute. Uh, there's also an active mode in which uh, the fabric, uh, or the, rather the balloon, uh, emits a low power uh, isotropic signal, and uh, and uses uh, it, it, and uses that to uh, detect any intruders in its uh, workspace, shall we say? Uh, and uh, then then uses that uh, any kind of uh, uh, return to to uh, to illuminate the intruder and uh, likely. Uh, especially at the distances of only a few hundred uh, kilometers, uh, likely vaporize the intruder. Okay. Okay. So then, let's see. Uh, that's part of the new techno new technology, and I'll change the. At least I thought I was going to change the. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, all our uh, faces are on the right side of my screen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, here's some more detail. Basically, we, we, we have a sand a sort of sandwich uh, that uh, uh, entails at least the uh, first uh, uh, early design. 
we have a substrate layer. That's, that's the skin, basically. Uh, and on top of that are uh, solar cells and uh, microwave patch antennas. And uh, for the PowerStar application, uh, uh, the, uh, the solar cells and transmitters uh, occupy the external surface. They be co-populated? Yeah, we, we can co-populate co it uh, with a more sophisticated design where uh, you, you, you have transpa transparent transmitters on top of the solar cells so that uh, both kinds of devices are uh, occupying the, the entire surface area, uh, the external area uh, of the power star. And uh, you'll note that there's transceivers uh, on the interior surface. And, and those, those are, are intended to uh, permit us to, uh, to, to uh, achieve power uh, regardless of uh, the uh, direction of the sun. And, and we'll get to that in a, a little bit. And the, at the outset, we assumed uh, uh, solar cell efficiency of only one to two percent. I mean, this is this is back in 2014 or something like that. Near term, though, uh, we uh, we favor uh, looking at 10 to 20 percent. Okay, and uh, I won't. I, 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 we, we've looked at. Uh, substrate materials extensively, uh, patch antenna efficiencies uh, with uh, thicknesses that uh, can go to say, uh, oh, uh, you know, it depends on the, uh, the, the precise uh, 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 lambda, but uh, uh, we can probably produce uh, th three microns thickness for uh, uh, some of these uh, elements of the, uh, of the sandwich. And uh, basically once the printing process and the algorithm and the roll-to-roll -roll manufacturing are set, we can basically churn this out like wallpaper. Again, roll-to-roll -roll manufacturing. Okay, so uh, next slide. Now we have the old technology, which is uh, uh, this so-called echo satellite technology. And these are, of course, very large balloons coated by aluminum to transfer by reflection uh, radio commu communications. Uh, the satellites were uh, made of uh, 13 micron uh, thickness mylar film coated with a 0.2 micron layer of aluminum uh, the special folding techniques were devised to minimize the stowed volume as, uh, as depicted on the left-hand side of the picture. Uh, so uh, a very clever uh, folding technique was, was used to uh, uh, then uh, uh, take its residence uh, uh, within a, a, a small spherical canister which on, uh, on orbit is then opened uh, for deployment of the balloon. Uh, the history is that uh, the first Echo-1 
uh, failed because of a launch vehicle failure back in 1960. But at the same year, uh, Echo 1A was launched successfully and uh, lasted from, one, from uh, 1960 to 1968. Echo 2, which is uh, the, the largest uh, Echo satellite of uh, 41 meters diameter, was launched uh, January 1964 and burned up in the atmosphere June 1969. Uh, so uh, this is an old technology, but uh, it is a it is a really uh, a big step uh, in in this kind of uh, 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 possible uh, area. Uh, the, uh, the balloon fabrication, uh, of course, starts with uh, uh, generating the, uh, uh, the the fabric, and uh, for the uh, for the echo satellites, uh, it, it, it was uh, uh, it was produced as meridional sectors or gores, and these are simply joined uh, to uh, produce a spherical. Uh, balloon, uh, and there are four stages of uh, uh, of deployment here. So when we uh, get the canister uh, in orbit, uh, the uh, lid pops off, and uh, the balloon uh, shoots out, sort of like a party snake. And uh, then uh, you, you have the sun uh, warming up the balloon and that triggers uh, the, uh, uh, that, that triggers uh, a uh, sublimating powder, which uh, in, 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 inflates, the, uh, inflates the balloon. Uh, and it needed only uh, one to two pounds pressure to do all to do that, to do that inflation. So you have a very compact packaging and deployment, uh, one, one compact container, one launch vehicle, okay. Now, regarding deployment, uh, the uh, It's the Echo 2 that we want to emulate uh, most closely because, uh, uh, for example, in the Echo 1A, uh, the, uh, the powder was uh, applied directly uh, to the surface, the inner surface of the balloon. And that caused uh, uh, problems uh, that uh, produced uh, deleterious uh, stress concentrations. So what we want to do is uh, use the ECHO-2 improved uh, inflation technique. And uh, this again uh, requires uh, a sublimating powder, but it's, uh, it's uh, all contained in, in these pillows uh, that are, that are uh, attached to the inner surface. And uh, again, when 
exposed to the heat from the sun, the, fil the pillows inflate, but they, uh, they produce, uh, they, they, in they, they uh, in in introduce uh, 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 the, the inflation proceeds by, by the, the, the powder uh, getting squirted uh, out of these uh, small uh, holes. And that homogenizes the uh, uh, the air the air inside the balloon, and and uh, uh, prevents uh, the uh, these these uh, uh, trapped uh, pockets of, of gas. Whoops! All right, and uh, in in the power star as an echo to a metallic grid or electric ground is embedded uh, in, the, uh, in the skin to yield at the, in, in, and it's designed to yield at the inflation pressure. The yielded grid rigidifies the structure and by the way, mitigates uh, uh, the damage from in, uh, high speed uh, debris. Then, uh, after inflation, one of the pillows is ruptured, evacuating the balloon and making it an empty shell. Okay, and then we can put all these things together. Uh, and let's see. So, uh, First of all, there's the power star on orbit, and it it's, it has uh, the uh, solar cells and uh, patch antennas printed on its surface. In the in the, uh, the original idea, it, it would be uh, uh, a case that uh, the uh, solar cells and uh, uh, transmitters uh, do not overlap. Can't show you the uh, this, <laughs> but because we're you know we can't we can't see the whole picture. But in any case, there's uh, up here. There's of course a picture of uh, uh, the uh, the sandwich layering uh, going from. Uh, the outer surface, which contains the uh, solar cells and transmitters, and a pattern of transceivers in the, on the inner surface. Okay. Uh, and then you might think, since the, since the power star is indeed a, a sphere, that uh, it would operate as an isotropic uh, a radiator, you know, sort of like a, a radar. But if that, the case, if that were the case, uh, almost all power would escape uh, to empty space and uh, very little would be deposited in the uh, rectennas. To give the power star sufficient antenna gain, we use retro-directive power transmission, which in its simplest form is just 
phase conjugation. Okay, and this is, this is a well-developed uh, technique. Uh, each rectenna, now looking at the, the map of the Earth here, has a low-power beacon, also called a, a pilot, that uh, transmits to the power star. So that's in the, the beacon radiation, it goes uh, toward the power star. Okay. And then And then uh, what happens is that the uh, going up to the, the, the sandwich here, in each patch antenna, there's a local analog circuit that receives beacon radiation. It then amplifies the waveform using the, the power injected to it uh, by, by the solar cells. And uh, in a sense, it, uh, it, it, it amplifies this, this amplified waveform is then transmitted back in reverse time. Effectively, it, it makes each transmitter uh, look like a corner cube, okay? And uh, that, is, that is the principle but behind all, all this in terms of getting a good uh, antenna gain uh, because every every little bit of, of the surface of the power star now is then emitting uh, amplified wave fronts that uh, that duplicate the wave fronts that uh, were uh, produced uh, and receive from the uh, uh, rectenna be beacons, but sending it back. So that's why we we show these uh, the the, make, the microwave power then is is in fact delivered uh, d directly to uh, each rectenna. So I'd like to illustrate this with a simulation. Uh, let's say that uh, on the left-hand chart, we, uh, we, we say that uh, this vertical line is, is the ground, okay, the, the, Earth, the Earth's, the Earth's uh, surface. And we have uh, three beacons uh, spaced like this, and they're emitting uh, uh, a, 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 a low amplitude uh, signal. And by the way, uh, each, each pixel on the spherical surface of the power star is a separate recorder. It's effectively, uh, well, the, 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 the effect of uh, uh, the uh, uh, phase conjugation is simply that uh, you're, you're, you're in effect recording a, a time series uh, uh, on each element of the spherical surface and then uh, playing that back simultaneously, playing it back in reverse time. And what you get 
is uh, wave fronts that uh, are emitted from the power star with conjugated phase. And those wave fronts are going to have the same uh, geometry as the incoming ones. And to, to make that uh, uh, clear, first of all, in this uh, presentation, we simply uh, let uh, the three beacons, beacon waves, finally get to the power star. And then we turn turn the beacons off just just to make sure that we don't clutter up the uh, the diagram too much. And we let uh, we let each little pixel here operate just as just as the uh, uh, microwave transmitters would uh, operate. And uh, so so now you get a, uh, a much higher. Uh, amplitude beam uh, going in the opposite direction toward the ground. When it gets to the ground, you'll see that uh, in each case, there are three concentrations of power on the ground. And uh, they are smack dab in the middle of each, uh, each of these uh, rectennas. And uh, notice that, uh, that if you had, uh, you can have many more possible beacons <laughs> and get the same effect. So now you have, uh, now you, you can see that uh, not only uh, is uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the the gain design uh, quite valid. It's it's also uh, uh, adaptable to uh, different uh, 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 beacon signals and, and locations. Okay, so uh, so going. Going forward now, the uh, this is uh, uh, this is all about localized power distribution. There there are many problems with uh, uh, some SBS uh, uh, concepts in, involving uh, excessive high high voltage uh, uh, power and so on uh, and. This is how we handle this in a way that doesn't uh, doesn't require well in a way that uh, you can you can absorb power from the sunlight sun regardless of its orientation relative to the beacons okay and. Uh, so each little module now has a, a very simple algorithm to do this. Uh, and I explain it by, by, by uh, let's say we, we divide the surface area into uh, four sectors. So let's say 
sector SB is one where the external surface is illuminated by both uh, the sunlight and the beacon. In that case, the external solar arrays, the external solar arrays, power the local exterior transmitters, okay? And then SB tilde is a surface illuminated by the uh, sunlight, but but not the beacon. And in this case, the uh, external uh, solar arrays pump power through the thickness to the uh, transceivers. So these then radiate, and uh, the the radiation is is then received by the interior transceivers of uh, sector S tilde B, whence their, their power is transmitted across the thickness to the uh, external transmitters, thereby, in effect, you might say, making, making uh, S B tilde partially transparent, okay? And then of course we have S tilde B, the external surface is exposed to uh, the, the beacon radiation alone, but it's, it's then powered, uh, the, the, the external uh, patch antennas are powered by uh, the uh, transceivers on the interior surface. And then finally, of course, you have S tilde, B tilde, where uh, no, no light shines whatsoever. And, and uh, everybody does nothing. Well, with this kind of scheme, each antenna transmits only if the beacon's radiation is received. Each transmitting antenna draws power from solar cells in its immediate vicinity within a few centimeters or through the thickness of the skin from receivers on the inner surface of the skin. The power transmission through the skin traverses only a few centimeters or just maybe a, a, a few microns. <laughs> and uh, each transmitter receives basically just a few watts. So it's, uh, it's a max maximal util utilization of, of simply a membrane area. The power distribution to each antenna is local, and there's there's no need for a complex management system. Strictly local architecture means robustness against partial damage. So, a high-speed debris object might uh, smash into our power star. Power star. Uh, uh, destroy a few modules, uh, but, uh, but the rest of the, the, the rest of the, the device uh, works as usual. So it's, it's highly robust with respect to 
uh, uh, damage. And by the way, also has uh, considerable uh, survival potential in the face of, uh, of uh, 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 extreme damage. Okay. So the power transmission capabilities. This chart, this chart shows the power transmitted to the ground with no overlap between the solar cells and patch antennas. And this is a, as a function of a power star diameter and shows results for four solar cell deficiencies uh, from 1% uh, to 20%. And uh, it turns out that, uh, that even what in, in, the, in the case of uh, the efficiency of being 1%, the lowest, a one, a one kilometer power star can produce a, a, a first uh, SSP uh, device and produce uh, the, the same, the same uh, uh, performance as is noted in in this, uh, this reference paper uh, that came out in 2011, I believe. But uh, in place of a great many launches required, this would give you a first, first active system in one launch. And a similar chart is shown for the case where the, the, the we have transparent patch antennas, and uh, the which means that the, in effect the 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 solar cells uh, occupy the entire area in effect, and in this case the uh, you see that the a, a one kilometer power star can deliver 200 megawatts, okay? That's like a smokestack along the coast. Each smokestack is one megawatt. Right. <laughs> and, and we would like, uh, of course, it, it's, it's very likely that we could, uh, we could uh, send, uh, several 200 megawatt, one kilometer power stars uh, using uh, our latest rocketry. And then you say, I'm scared of you. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, now this shows the uh, stowed diameter of power stars, a function of the inflated diameter. Uh, plus uh, the payload, payload fairing diameters for three existing launch systems. Both mass and dimensions are, are adequate. Uh, and again, uh, 
the first launch is optimized at uh, three one kilometer uh, power stars. So here's a summary of the concept. Uh, basically, it's using membrane surface entirely, as opposed to uh, concepts that, that almost always seem to to uh, to use uh, a surface area to collect solar radiation and turn it into power. Uh, connected to a high voltage uh, cable system <laughs> to uh, bring the power to the transmitters. But we don't need to do that. Uh, the power flow always goes from inside to outside. So its, uh, it's structure is extremely simple and uh, and, and uh, can be uh, can be launched in uh, a, a lot of uh, launch vehicle payload envelopes. It can gather solar power from any directions without slewing or structural motion. It has no moving parts. It can optimally approximate any uh, desired power scheme on the ground. There is no in-space assembly or robotic assembly. It has no control structure feedback. It's guaranteed dynamically stable. The operation of the phased array can be severely damaged, but the system can still retain some level of performance. And I believe that this, uh, this entire scheme uh, saves us a great deal of expense as long as we start uh, uh, working on uh, uh, some of the existing technologies to, to put, put together uh, the component technology technologies that already exist. Now, an extended application, one that we didn't think of at the outset, <laughs> but uh, placed at GEO, PowerStar can easily be designed to uh, create power densities on the ground that uh, are safe for humans. But if an intruder should approach within just a few hundred kilometers, PowerStar can be run in active mode and irradiate the target with enormous power density. Okay, and... Bye-bye space debris and bye-bye enemies. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, so this is the uh, normalized power distribution on the ground. And yes, it looks a lot like a square jink function. <laughs> and by the way, uh, in a uh, AAA uh, meeting, uh, I presented a paper that has uh, just about all of the calculations that I've shown you here. In fact, more, more than that. 
And that can be this is a, a yeah. This is a very a, a, a very detailed calculation, uh, but uh, it turns out to be rather simple. Uh, anyway, uh, and unfortunately, uh, in my in my slide, I can't I can't see the the notations on the right, but what they show is is if at 36,000 kilometers, uh, the power level, the, the, the power density at the ground is one-tenth of a sun, a sun being one uh, kilowatt per square meter, then in a thousand kilometers, uh, we get a spot that's half a, a, a meter and uh, has a density of 130 suns. So it's, it, it's possible to, get to uh, create really hot spots on folks you don't like. And uh, One of the, the main characteristics of, of this invention is that it's uh, it's basically its its properties of operation are emergent, and that guarantees some self-defense capability. Now, let me just uh, say that uh, PowerStar has a, a lot of different technology components, but they all exist right in some measure. Certainly flexible membrane materials, people have uh, printed solar cells on flexible membranes, printed microwave patch antennas and electronics in combinations of these and have developed uh, Roll-to-roll roll, roll manufacturing for each case, and then there's the uh, Echo Two technology that, uh, that that has already been developed long ago. Um, but the uniqueness of PowerStar is not due to its component technologies; it's due to how they are combined. And by the way. Uh, The the uh, the patents, the Japanese patents. Uh, at first, they, uh, as you know, uh, there, there's a reluctance on their part to uh, uh, to grant patents to uh, foreign nationals. Uh, but uh, and their examiners first said, "Oh, uh, this is not uh, this is not a, a true." Uh, uh, invention because the component technologies are uh, are all existing. But then we came back and said, listen, you know, the operation of the power star is an emergent effect of numerous simple elements acting individually. And this produces enormous, shall we say, anti-fragility and robustness and the 
possibility of self-defense. Can I add on that? So what he means is, for us military people, survivability, vulnerability, say something smashes through it, you still got the rest of it, any other area. It doesn't have to be round either. It could be any shape it wants to be out in outer space. It's omnidirectional, right? Like God. So. Well, you so, know, but within, uh, well, okay, but uh, if you crumpled up the surface badly enough, <laughs> you know, it would start to yeah, you can't cover yourself with yourself. But even so, you know, starting from a sphere, you uh, you might way. crumple up a a uh, a portion of the sphere. Uh, but uh, you know, the um, uh, the the phase conjugation technique would still un unravel that and send back uh, the data or the power, I should say, to the active uh, rectenna. So uh, yeah, there's a, there's a great deal of possibility here, uh, and and again, this all works with uh, a very very simple uh, algorithms uh, that are it, it's sort of like a an ant algorithm, <laughs> as as people say. Uh, so you have a lot of very simple components that operate all by themselves. But in operating by themselves, they make the whole system operate at a at a much more advanced level. And that's what I'm getting at. Okay. So anyway, yeah, they they objected uh, to uh, to the, uh, this at first, but uh, the, uh, uh, the the Japanese had to grant our, our patent because it was so so compelling. They realized they had to do that. Okay. Um, now there's various things you can do. Uh, in active mode, let's say, all of power, power stars, microwave transmitters emit a, a low power signal to create a nearly isotropic emitter. And when the space debris or an enemy missile approaches, the radar return signal fulfills the role of the pilot beacon. And so uh, again, you, uh, the retrodirective tra uh, transmission uh, works again. Uh, the star emits its high power beam on the approaching threat. If it's not recognized. It doesn't have to be recognized, but there, there are possibilities there too. Uh, and um, And then uh, you can do things like debris clearance, an actual boost. <laughs> uh, and here I'm not talking about uh, the case where the uh, the power star beam is is so uh, intense that uh, we're we're going to vaporize these guys. It could be something much less. Uh, but in fact, all, all we're all we're including here is. Uh, the effect of uh, radiation pressure. Okay, it's not there's not even a, a blade of reaction uh, on on this, so it's a very uh, conservative estimate of how fast you could take a bus-sized object and stay out at one thousand kilometers and uh, uh, degrade the orbit to 
you know, to to uh, to clear out the uh, debris. And then by the same token, you, you could, with a slightly different orbital geometry, boost a, a system that you want to get to higher orbit. Like our space station that's falling out of the sky. That's right. <laughs> I mean, 2024, they got to evacuate it. 2028, it's supposed to burn up. We could have these tow it back to a higher orbit at any place in any time we want to. Great way to solve that problem and keep using it longer, right? We want to do that. That's right. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, notice that if, uh, if you're doing debris clearance, uh, you can... You can see obviously that uh, the, uh, the the debris altitude is going going to zero somewhere somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, what uh, sixteen hundred hours. Mm -hmm. Well, what's what, what uh, the uh, the effect of clearance though on the altitude of the power star raises its orbit, and then vice versa if you're if you're boosting, uh, you're you're going to lose altitude, uh, which simply indicates that uh, that in fact the power star can operate as a photon rocket. It it can boost itself. <laughs> awesome. And you can and, relay to each other, right, Dave? You can relay so, one to another. Yes, you could. So you could stack up all the power in the world onto it, into one place you want to put it. That comes into play later on. Thanks, Dave. Sorry about it. Bother you. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the there's a, there's the rapidly deployable power generation air missile defense. And say you're you got a tough uh, forward operation scene that's uh, out there in the wild blue yonder, and uh, you need a, a power source. Well, you just uh, uh, take these uh, rolled up uh, rugs. Which are on the ground over there. Is yeah, the put them down on the ground, and you've got your power station. Using power direct from the solar cells or another source, you could operate the beam forming in active mode again. <clears throat> and you could use these to, to irradiate the target, sense return, and use as a beacon signal. And of course, then the beam forming proceeds as described for Power Star. So if In I this was case, a, oh, yeah, go ahead. If I was like my, my brother, James Wimberly, in charge of the biggest base in the world, he would love this as a base protector. So if anyone, any Air Force person's ever come out of San Antonio, then you went through his base. He's in charge of all three. So if he had these anywhere he was at any military base, he could actually help protect the base itself and create the energy right then and there. You don't need power lines. This is it. And it's a protection system. Perfect base protection. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Dave. Didn't mean to bother you. Oh, okay. And then, you know, uh, Thing is that uh, it's conceivable that once the power star technology is developed, many power stars 
can be placed in suitable orbits to disable ICBMs for in any stage of their flight paths, including launch. And the four Power Star patents are, are sort of like a shield against global war. I mean, yeah. they, they sit there, they sit there ready to be picked up, but who shall pick up the shield? So if China makes it first, we're going to be subservient. Uh, yes, we must pick it up first. Otherwise, our our adversaries may do so and proceed to either bully us into submission or annihilate us with suffering no no retaliation. Uh, and so, as my last my last chart, I guess is uh, is a recommendation. Uh, Again, we list the existing, the existing uh, technologies. And since they exist, we know we have plenty of existing expertise in them. <laughs> and we're certainly in a position to assemble a, a multidisciplinary team, uh, assemble and test the printing program combining the four layers of PowerStar. Incidentally, this is almost the only only thing that's really uh, uh, needed is is to be able to print all four layers, not one or two, or one two three, but all four. Okay, and we can assemble and test on the a, on a plane. Pardon me. Could this be put on the, as a skin of? Yes, of a plane. A plane. Yes, an aircraft skin. Yeah, of course it is. Oh yeah, I even show an image of it. I'll we'll get to that later. And you know we we assemble and test the roll 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 roll, roll manufacturing. Uh, the balloon construction, of course, is uh, is uh, fairly well known. Uh, and then uh, we pack package for launch, and uh, and of course construct uh, rectenders on the ground. And then I would uh, I would be concerned with the launch and development of testing of the power stars. And I'd like to start with a a launch and deployment of one kilometer power star approximately uh, in a uh, 1,000 kilometer circular orbit. And while in that orbit, we test its self-defense self capabilities, test it against uh, missiles and the deliberately uh, exercised debris. And then, assuming it survives, <laughs> we can align the power beam uh, to uh, align it uh, against the orbital uh, velocity. And uh, make it ascend to geostationary orbit. So we can actually use the uh, 
power store uh, uh, photonic rocket, shall we say? Whoops. Wasn't me. It wasn't. Ah. <laughs> okay. I guess we're. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And then we test the power transmission uh, to several rectangles and, and then proceed to deploy multiple power stars for both uh, 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 space, uh, in space uh, power and anti-missile defense. And that's all I have to say. I guess I've said enough. Zoom me up. Guys, what you just seen, I, I can go through all this, but we ran out of time. I have to say something extremely important that concerns me. Are we on that? Tell I me when we're on. Okay. So yeah, we, we need to supply the entire world the energy. Otherwise, we become the slave to the world. So if Russia or China beats us to the pipeline, they're all going to be communists. It's World War Three, right there. We could stop World War Three, right here, and have peace on Earth right now. So, I think they just invented peace on Earth, right? And I'll show you in detail later. But I don't have the time. So, is this still recording with me, my yes. voice? Okay. So, on March twenty second, I'd like to show a solution. But the thing I have to warn you about. Keep cruising, man. I gotta get you to the warning because it's really, really coming up soon. Keep going. This is me. Yeah, this is your side. Keep going. You can. <laughs> you gotta go way down. Way back. Okay. All yeah. right. Long Push time. Back. Right here, I need. Uh, right here. Right here. Okay. This is very important. That. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm gonna run through this as quick as I can. I'll put the link with the video. I'll put all the slides online. I'll put them inscribed. And the reason being, I'm very, very concerned. Three days ago, the San Andreas Fault just cracked because some idiot shut off the water supply of our San Joaquin Valley, and the, and the water's going flowing into the tectonic plates. So three days ago, the San Andreas cracked. That's a very, very important thing. There's some video online in, in YouTube, you'll find it. And he mentioned, uh, he was from the future. He said, March 15th, a 750 foot wall a tsunami comes and wipes out San Francisco. So we need a model of a 750 foot tsunami as soon as possible of it hitting San Francisco, March 15th. But the cool thing is the Mariana Trench that is the place that it actually cracked they find, he said in March 28 days later, March 23rd, they find new speed, new civilizations that they didn't know about in the Mariana Trench. Now, if there's any truth in that whatsoever, we're on a fast pace of getting there, super fast. So, so I wanted to say to all my Jewish people, I'm sorry you're not resting today. It is your day of rest. So forgive me for making you work and watch this. But if you're doing something good for mankind, you're not working. You're just doing good. So let's get the heck out of here. Next slide. I got to get you to something really important. So 
anyway so this is what's really going on okay people don't know china this is our nickname in, in china people that live there know this we're called baijiu which means fake morality of western white left liberal pushing fake morality this document right here proves that china aims weaponizing space to overcome and surpass us at any cost and that could be disease which they did already it could be uh weaponizing like TikTok weaponized it could be bringing drugs in to kill all the young people they could do that too these are all theories and fantasies of course they don't exist because none of this what i mentioned exists right so now see this right down here don't be deceived these billboards here show that china declares war in chinese this says they're at war with the u.s so whatever idiot said they're not at war with us didn't read a billboard in china we're not right. seeing what paul is uh, showing right here um no dave uh dave you need to uh, uh end could, could you turn off the music please i don't have it on you can, is there music guys none of us i can't hear what's being said none of us hear music dave is anyone online hear it? It's not playing. It's not playing. Anymore. Yeah, it's on yours, not ours, Dave. Sorry. And, and Dave, please turn. turn um, oh, he says turn. Uh, turn off. Or, uh, shut your off. shut yours off somehow. Your share shut off. your presentation off. Stop stop sharing from your end. Oh, he says stop sharing. Super Dave. Oh, so by the way, yes, okay. Thank yes. you, Dave. Thank yes, you, Dave. See. That's it. Okay, good. Good. All right. Sorry. So, so I could click on this right now and prove that we're at war right there with China. That report. Go ahead. Click it up. Okay. If you want to. Okay. And if that doesn't work, this video is super. Okay. Yeah. Scroll up and let everyone see what it says. Okay. Everything in here explains that they are at war with us. Dave came up with a way to kick the enemy's butt on anything, in anywhere, at any time. Do you think that's important to America? Being able to subdue any enemy that causes threat to the world, subdue them at any time, anywhere, before it even happens? It's pretty darn important. Let's go to this, what our enemy thinks of us. Give me what our enemy thinks of us. Okay, now there's only two laws in the Bible, guys, and I have to say this. It's love God above everyone and love your neighbor, okay? What does your neighbor think of you right now? I showed what China thinks of us, and this is what Russia thinks of us. Since we don't have volume capability on this side of the world in this system, do we? Oh, there we go. Attacking our culture, the Russian Orthodox Church, and uh, other traditional religious institutions in our country. Now look at what they're doing with their own peoples. They're destroying the institution of family, their cultural historical identity, and uh, various perversions with regard to children of pedophilia are accepted as uh, a new norm. And priests are forced to recognize and officiate same-sex weddings. 
people can live however they want. And we in the have never intruded into people's private life. And we're not going to do that. But what we want to say is maybe they should take a look in the scripture into the holy book of any great religion. It says that a family is a union between woman and man. And these holy texts are now being increasingly doubted in the West. The uh, Anglican Church is now considering the idea of a gender neutral God. What can we say? God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Heard that before. Okay. Next one. I don't have time for the music. We're going to cruise on through. It does need all this music. On the real presentation, you want to hear the music because it all fits together. So there. If Say, I'm, say I'm pretending I'm not God. I never said I was. I, but I have to do this. I have to play the role of God, right? So go. Right? Like Kramer? Okay, it's in my head. Got the, got the role. Pretend I'm God. Just pretend. And I came and did a house call like a doctor. Okay. Mankind, right? Are you living up to your name? Are you kind to each other? How you doing on my two requirements? Because 10 was too many for you, right? If I had to sense uh, and kill for a moment, you know, doing what, so, so that. Now I wanted to say, what's up, tired of the purpose, tired of loving each other. You still don't, haven't you killed enough of your neighbors yet? So I'm going to get you right here. We're going to go through all that war stuff and get right to the bottom to peace on earth. So let's go to the next one. Let's go to so. I've done a lot of things, worked at a lot of places. <laughs> this one's cool. So, oh, this is my first airplane. I was a design engineer at Northrop. My buddies over there. I Northrop buddies. I did the eyebrow, worked in tool design actually, doing the eyebrow and the bomb racks. That's my first one in 1985 at Northrop. And my last one was the center fuselage on the F-18 ENF. And that, and I had to start that off at Northrop uh, in right over here where they're doing, you know, the, the Joint Strike Fighter. Um, so I got to do the center fuselage, which is huge. Had to break that down. So what was really cool after we, I had to do a second shift and all that was our British people helping us on second shift, which was great. And uh, so when you see the Tom Cruise movie Top Gun, I can say, Every airplane out there came out of an assembly jig that we got to design. So that's a cool thing to do. Now, after I did that job, my buddy Jimmy and Joanne Arnaz, Jimmy, he got me a gig consulting to Lockheed Martin. But at the time, it was only Martin Marietta. Samsung was had an agreement with, with China to make 100 passengers, 100 airplanes. So my goal or their goal was to get wisdom from the West, us, how do you develop an entire airplane from scratch? How do you make a air, how do you make a Boeing airplane company from scratch? So I went to Korea for three and a half months with Randy and the team. Dr. Lee, who's in charge of it, they don't have vice presidents, they only have a president and directors. So Dr. Lee, he's the guy that invented the winglets for all airplanes. That's his design. And remember the, the Lisa, I think it is, the flying 747 with the open door for the laser? 
that's his invention too. So he started it up. And uh, anyway, that was really, really cool. So I got to do all that cool stuff. And you can, you can see that. And after I did that one, um, McDonnell Douglas Technical uh, put me in. Amerigon was, a, was an electric, they told me about, they're doing an electric car in California. Well, they put me on it. So I ended up working on that, but they only had three people and none of them knew how to do a car. So, so I did, cause you know, <laughs> I've done them. So I did the G Saturn's EV4 from a piece of shit clay, had to make 50 cars from scratch, had to hire all the right people and everything and had to get it out done in two years. So in two and a half years, it previewed at the Tokyo Auto Show. So for that $12 million to make Samsung's EV4, GM seen it at the Tokyo Auto Show and said, do you have all the engineering? Of course we did. Thank you, Dave Delisio, for all your help. Anyway, they, they bought the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel for $1.3 billion. So $12 million betting on me to make them money sure worked out, didn't it? Okay, next one. I got to get you to the important factor here. Keep going. Oh, this is where I met Dave. Very important. So very, very important. My mom died. I got this vision of exactly what we have to do to make an entire armor of God over the earth and also how to control the weather and how to do. I'm going to tell you the theory of time travel, but you have to see a video first. Otherwise, you wouldn't understand it. It'd be over your head. So and I told you I'm not God, but I'm going to explain something to you. So. Um, so yeah, Dave and I, I finished that book. It got published in the defense journal of management. I met Dave and, uh, Ron Barrett at the 2013. And then I, we went to lunch and I was mentioning space, solar power. And, uh, and I said, okay, I'll get you all the documents. So we went to lunch. I gave him the documents and then he invented this, which is kick ass. He saved the world on that invention. So. I had a really cool uh, investor, Howell, who did blue something, blue, I forget exactly. Anyway, he had, he had $54 billion and he called me right before I did a, another conference. He said, okay, do you got, you got your team leaders yet? I go, no, Dave's not retiring yet from Texas. Paul Werbos is still, he's, actually Paul had serious health concerns and he beat it, so he got to live. Thank God for Paul Werbos. He, I couldn't get him either because he's, once they retired, they all got sick. We almost lost Dave when he retired. So I'm glad they didn't. We didn't. Thank God we didn't. So there's so much to go on. Next one. <laughs> oh, by the way, all this is documented in a book I wrote because nobody would believe me in the future. Nobody. So I gave this document to, to our buddy, Dave. Okay. And so Bush, who's an oil man, obviously, said, okay, well... What if we got a war without oil? What are we going to do? So the end of is the one with the most energy wins. Okay, right here. I love this one. Crucial oil peaking is a problem that will occur within the present century. Now, it is a problem the DOD has to solve before the end of this century. The only question is, therefore, when and where will it begin to do so? Hey, guys, it started today. Today is the day it started. They just, we just shown you the answer. So go on to the next one, because very important. I have a lot to do in four minutes. Now, I thought this is cool. I started my book this way from our space shuttle guy, like Mike Massimino. 
Hi, Mike. Great guy. Steve, he, he, Mike Massimino did the most space walks out of vehicles, space walks. So, but Steve Robinson wrote this and I thought this is cool. The fire of the human spirit we carry is always going beyond adventuring. What's out there? What's out there? So here's the ultimate goal, guys. I only got three minutes left. I need, we as a species, we need to put power stars all the way throughout this entire universe, wherever we want to go. We plant them out there before we get there, just like you would if you were exploring, right? You put out drones, right? Before you go into a place, you put in a non-human species to view everything. So we put these, we put these power stars out there throughout the universe. Now, Alberto Conti is a buddy of ours. He's a VP at uh, Northrop. Hi, Alberto. Anyway, him and Elon, Alberto is the one that did Google Space. Now, now, if you want to travel throughout the day universe, you want the people that have the mapping knowledge, right? There he is, Alberto Conti. And then, uh, anyway, Elon can help with this because he needs to make all these things happen. So we plant all these power stars throughout here. We launch them, get them up there, and then we can go and start traveling throughout. My friends over at, uh, I have a flying pig. It's the guys do a fusion. They're about eight, I think they can do it in seven years, but they say about eight years away. We put those on board these. Now we can travel because that we don't have a sun if you're out of in between places, right? That's the only way you can do it is having power. So fusion, you got to bet on TEA in Lake Forest or something. Mission Viejo, they, they, they know how to do it. Next one. Okay, I can, we're going to do all this. I can do all, we, we know we can do all this. Oh, by the way, when I say I, I mean, I'm pretending I'm God. Go ahead. We don't have much time, guy. <laughs> okay, keep going. We went through this. Okay, these are all the things that are required in a space system. This we already went through. 200 megawatts, that's 200 smokestacks we can remove with one of them. That's pretty damn awesome. Next one. Oh, by the way, they went for a dollar. I'm saying 20 cents. Keep going. 130 suns. What if we increase the efficiency? More suns than that? How many suns do you need? Well, I did a calculation of all the energy that we're going to need in the future and to 2100, 20, I think. And uh, I think it's like almost 10,000 power stars to take care of all the energy in the world in the future at 10%. So, and that chart's in here too. Keep going. But that's cool. Uh, we can do desalination from space, taming and controlling weather. I want to get to that, but we're not going to have time today. March 22nd, I'm doing another one to explain peace on Earth in detail. Next one, very important. This, hit this, hit this right now, because this is happening right now. Blow it up as big as you can, because this is happening right now. Since the San Andreas fault just cracked three days ago, all of this is happening today.
1966, former McDonnell Douglas engineer Dr. Chan Thomas released a book called The Adam and Eve Story. That thing out of there. Sound like he's being cute, but he's actually being literal. This book is about the end of the world as we know it. Uh, hey, what's up? This is one of those stories being scared the hell out of us. <laughs> that fish is funny. That's like that family guy fish, right? Crop Klaus. You just told them. Well, Thomas presents evidence of a coming shift in the Earth's poles that creates a cataclysm. And Thomas says these pole shifts are cyclical, that on regular intervals, a disaster wipes out almost all human life. And we start over again in the Stone Age. He says we're actually the sixth advanced civilization to evolve on Earth. There may have been even more civilizations that have been here, but the further back you go, the harder it is to know for sure because some of these civilizations occupy continents that no longer exist. Now, Thomas isn't the first scientist to publish this theory. In 1958, almost 10 years before the Adam Eve story, Charles Hapgood published The Earth's Shifting Process. I'm going to sit down and let you watch it because it's important. This theory says that sometimes the Earth spins really fast and the continents are rearranged. Hapgood proposed the idea of continental drift. It was called pseudoscience. But Hapgood had his horrors. In fact, Albert Einstein spin my Earth a little bit. Now, of course, we know that Run. Hapgood was right. The continents do move. They drift apart and collide together over and over again, and have done so for almost four billion years. Pangea was the supercontinent that broke apart to form the land masses that exist today. But before Pangaea, there was a supercontinent in Gondwana, which existed for 400 million years. Before Gondwana, there was Pinocchio. Before that, Rodinia, Colombia, Atlantica, Arctica, Kenderland, Ur, and Valbara. These were all supercontinents that eventually broke apart and reformed. After working with Einstein and a few other scientists, Charles Hapgood released the book The Path of the Pole as an update to his previous theories. In this book, Hapgood suggested that the Earth's poles are constantly moving. Again, this piece of pseudoscience was eventually proved true. Hapgood believed that a pole shift between 15 and 40 degrees occurred around 9600 BC, or 11,600 years ago. Don't try us. Now, the Piriris map is something that has baffled scientists for hundreds of years. On the Piriris map is the continent of Antarctica. But Antarctica wasn't discovered until 1820, and Perry Reese claimed the information on his map came from much older maps. But Charles Hapgood was right, and the Earth's axis was shifted 15 degrees from where it is now. Antarctica wouldn't be completely covered in ice. Hapgood believed an Ice Age civilization, long forgotten, mapped the coast thousands of years ago. Though many of Hapgood's theories have proven to be true, the Ice Age pole shift is still controversial. We do know the poles shift over time. We also know the continents drift over a very long period of time. But Dr. Chan Thomas, in his book, The Adam and Eve Story, says the shift happens in less than a day. Chan Thomas describes in detail what this will be like. And it's worse than any Hollywood disaster movie ever conceived. Far worse. There was no T in the middle. Oh, yeah, get rid of this guy as soon as you can. Then Thomas begins his book with a chapter that describes exactly what we'll experience during this pole shift event. But before we get into it, now might be a good time to hit pause and wrap fresh on me. With a rumble so low as to be inaudible, then fueling into a thundering roar, the earthquake starts. Only it's not like any earthquake in history. In California, mountains shake like ferns in a breeze. A mighty Pacific rears back and piles up into a mountain of seawater more than two miles high. It starts its race eastward. 
Away the tax, shredding everything in supersized apartments. The mountain of Pacific seawater follows the wind eastward, burying Los Angeles and San Francisco as if they were but grains of sand. Across the continent, a thousand mile per hour wind wreaks unholy vengeance everywhere, mercilessly. Here's why there's such violent wind. The Earth spins about a thousand miles per hour. Note that. Because everything is spinning together. The land, the water, That's a thousand miles an hour. What if you go faster than a thousand miles an hour? Backwards. What happens? In many places, the Earth's molten sublayer breaks through and spreads a sea of white hot liquid fire. In a fraction of a day, all vestiges of civilization are gone. And the great cities, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas, New York, Boston, are nothing but legends. Barely a stone is left where millions walked just a few hours ago. But think of what would happen if you were in a car going a thousand miles per hour that suddenly stopped. Now think of what would happen if a large city going a thousand miles per hour suddenly stopped. Skyscrapers would collapse. Millions of people would be thrown around like they were in a food processor. Very few people would survive that. But survivors are the unlucky ones. Because moving across the country at the speed of sound is a two-mile-high wall of water, mud, and debris. South America finds the Andes not high enough to stop the violence. In less than a day, the entire continent is burned by molten earth fire, buried under miles of violent seas, then turned into a frozen hell. Everything freezes, man, beast, plant, and mud in less than four hours. When the shift happens, the land on Earth stops moving, so the sun stops moving in the sky. That means one side of the Earth is going to get really hot, and the other side really cold. A temperature drop of 180 degrees. That means even the warmest parts of the planet are going to be 80 degrees below zero. Everything is frozen solid within four hours. Your task. The Alps, Pyrenees, the Urals are shunken and heaved even higher when the wall of seawater strikes. Western Africa and the sands of the Sahara vanish. The fury marches on for six days. During the sixth day, the ocean starts to settle. The Bay of Bengal Basin, just east of India, is now at the North Pole. The Pacific Ocean, just west of Peru, is at the South Pole. New ice caps begin to form in new polar areas. Greenland and Antarctica, now rotating equatorially, emerge with verdant tropical foliage. Thomas is predicting a 90-degree shift to the Earth's axis, basically turning the planet on its side. The poles move to the equator, and the equator moves to the poles. New York lies at the bottom of the Atlantic, covered by unbelievable amounts of mud. Of San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, and Boston,
Now, one myth is just folklore. Two myths are a coincidence. Forty blood myths? This starts to look less like a myth and more like actual history. Now, in this channel, we typically associate great floods with the end of the last ice age, the Younger Dryas. And core samples provide solid evidence that this happened. But what's interesting is, Thomas said the last great flood wasn't 11,500 years ago, but 6,500 years ago. Now, in the 1960s, there was very little in any proof of this. But a few years ago, archaeologists found evidence of the Gunyu flood myth in China. Evidence of a great flood has been found in the Mediterranean and in the Black Sea. These discoveries put the flood between 6,500 and 7,000 years ago, more recent than the Younger Dryas, and right when Thomas says it happened. Chen Thomas provides the dates of other floods. The Younger Dryas is about 11,500 years ago. Before that, a flood 18,500 years ago. And this is exactly the time when the very land bridge went underwater. Before that, 29,000 years ago, which was the end of the Wisconsin Glacial Period. And before that, 43,800 years ago. But global floods aren't controversial. We know they happened. What is controversial is the claim that advanced civilizations existed before each of the floods. Mainstream archaeology and paleontology say the first civilization emerged in Mesopotamia 6,500 years ago. But what if that was just the last reboot? No, like Batman movies. <laughs> Can we discuss Batman later and try to talk about the end of the world here? erosion around the base of the Great Sphinx, we see patterns that were formed by running water, vast amounts of water moving at tremendous speeds. But if this is water erosion, that means the Sphinx was created before the last flood 6,500 years ago, which is before the emergence of the Egyptian civilization. Archaeologists hate that idea. And they really hate the idea that the Sphinx was built over 10,000 years ago. But there's other evidence of a cataclysmic bullshit, specifically of a great mud flood and a sunken continent. Do you mean? Kenny, is anyone still online or is it just us? Uh, there's still a few. And some people want to ask questions. Uh, so they're waiting to ask some questions. Power Star. On the other 
the world we have another lost continent. This is called the land of Mew. Mew was described by Augustus Lake Monjon and later by James Churchward, both of whom translated very old texts from the Maya and India. Both of these cultures on opposite sides of the world describe a vast continent in the Pacific that reached Hawaii in the north and as far south as Easter Island and as far west that it almost reached the islands of Japan. James Bramwell and William Scott Elliott, both proponents of this theory, claim the continent was destroyed in a cataclysm 11,500 years ago. There's that date again. The Yonaguni Monument off the coast of Japan is said to be the underwater ruins of Mew. Namadal in Micronesia is considered to be the southern part of Mew. The site is full of structures made of enormous logs of volcanic rock. Nobody knows who built this or how, but their society was advanced. Just recently, a LIDAR imaging from the air shows that at one time, Namadal had an artificial irrigation system that could bring fresh water to residents all over the area. The eastern part of Mew is Easter Island, and there could be evidence of a cataclysm there. On Easter Island are the white statues, and you've seen these as lots of heads, about a thousand actually. And most people don't realize that these statues have bodies buried deep underground. So there are two options. One, whoever built the statues first dug holes, then buried there, how long is this? 80 ton statues. It's almost over, right, Kenny? Halfway. Okay, we can stop now. Go to the next one. By the end of this, go to the next one. You need to watch it yourself, guys. I already went through this, but you need to know if something big is happening. So I want to show you this. This right here, someday you're going to see this in video. You don't need to put it on, Kenny. It'll take too much time. Okay. This spiral here is, our, you know, you need to know where you are in the entire universe at what time, right? So we know this based on this. We know where these are, right? So what if you had say the armor of god three different layers of a of a uh, power star system that sends energy to earth all the time say if you had that over it protecting it and then with the radiating capability you could actually and then maybe fusion or some kind of storing capacity and you could actually manipulate moving a planet out of the way if something disaster was going to hit your ass that's how you could do this so now it's time to do this so you need to know oh by the way you gotta you gotta do this i gotta make this statement because it's a fact and, and anyone that can prove me wrong go ahead because it's impossible to prove me wrong so jesus turned to peter and said get away from me barack obama you are a dangerous trap to me he's not he's he's actually unveiling so here's his name here's where it comes from so when we were mankind and we just became um, wandering around and lightning hit a tree and it caused fire and it broke a branch. So Barak is the sound of lightning, right? Barak. And his last name is the thunder that follows. Obama or Obama. That's what everyone called it because that's what it is. So they thought it was scary because it could bring fire down from heaven, right? Because it's lightning. So that's basically what it is. So they say, so he's actually known as the bringer of light, right? And the bringer of light is also the same name as the devil. So, and I'm not saying Barack is not the devil. He united this world in a better way because he brought black, a black person as president. That united the world big time. That's a great feat for America, the world. Um, so, but I'm saying that that's what his name was, 
named after. That's all. So on to the next one. Now, here's the big reason we have to do this. These guys right here, the big story, okay? Electricity share of the entire world up to 2040 or 2050. Sorry, guys. I've done this for a while, so some of, some of my stuff, I'm going to talk fast because I, I know this by heart. Anyway, the, all of this right here and all of this and all of this right there, that's, that's like nine, ten thousand 10,000 satellites, right, to handle that. So that's why we have to do this. Next one, very important, Kenny. You got to stay with me on this one. Yeah, I'm staying with you. Okay, this is important. We're signed into, the, into this Paris Climate Treaty. But we could do this. Okay, so we go from losing one, right? And they only had three. Look at that. So those would be in millions probably. No, they're in, I'm sure they're in hundreds or thousands, right? I'm sure they're in thousands, maybe in billions of dollars though. And then none of these would be necessary, guys. You do the power star, you don't care. Turn the spigots wide open. Flood the market with all the energy you have. Next one. We want to keep on that Paris Accord because we could do that if we made the power star. Other than that, you're starving yourself to death. This is what Dave already talked about. He says it's the surface that matters, dummy. Not all the hardware to get you there. Next one. There. Here's the entire world's debt. Okay. This is how much energy you need. This is how much it costs. This is the value of energy on, on Earth. How are you going to address all these guys? I want to explain that, but I don't have time today. But we're going to zip through this. We don't want this to happen to us as we get closer to the sun at the end of our existence, right? We want to be able to push our planet away if you could. Dave just invented it. Go ahead. Now, this, this tells the world a lot. So, <laughs> total at 2050 and the shortfall. All right. Look at the world's debt compared to being able to pay for themselves. And look at the hidden debt. And then exponentially change those. How are you going to pay for this? We just gave you a solution. But I have to change the monetary system too. Next one. So now I always warn about false beliefs and false alarms like, you know, this one here, I love this book because it's true. And I have another one. It's about how climate panic caused trillions and hurts the poor and fix the, and how to and fails to fix the planet. Well, you just witnessed a way to fix the planet and it's not going to hurt the poor. And it doesn't go just to the rich oil sheets anymore. So now ocean rise is very important. If you want to know the truth, you just click on that one right there. My, my friends and brothers at NASA, this is the link. You can keep an eye on it all the time. I know where I live. You park your boat where I, 10, 30 years ago, the water at the high rise, at the solstice, it would actually be like six inches below the light. Now when, when at the high tides, high tides for both summer and winter, nowadays when it happens, it actually goes over the light, light itself. So there's no way a, an army engineer or a Navy engineer would put it that way on purpose. So it is true. Next one. Everyone, so if you knew this right here, what the heck would you do? 
do, guys. You make a bunch of boats and floating islands, and you hook them all together all over this water area, and you put this, this solar microwave fabric, which, uh, Kenny, can you show people on the ground what this looks like with the camera? Yeah. Okay, this is a solar microwave fabric. It's actually alligator and crocodile. You can walk on it, beat the shit out of it. This was invented by one of our professors in the Midwest, where I'm from originally. And uh, he invented this with, you know, some funding from China. So as soon as he got it up and running, China, you know, the market didn't work for him and China took it back to China. So this is China, which is good. They want to be our, by the way, China, we want your partnership on this. I need your help. I need you to supply us this. It doesn't exist yet. I mean, yours does right now because we invented it, but, but it needs to work this way. We got to prevent, if this happens, we got to be able to survive from this. So that's why we have to work together on it. It's not something that it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. <laughs> how about this? All of our fault. Now let's fix it. So I'm showing you how to fix this problem. Now this is an entire power system. It takes these, converts it to power, of course, the sun into photons, and then you can do AC, DC, any type of power output in the world that you need. Okay? All this in a little package. This should, should be, if you stretch this out, you can put it into a, into like either a diamond. We don't know the shape of what each little sub-component for those separate singular, like he said, random patches. We don't know what the patch design is yet. So we need a model, whether it's Pentagon, octagon, triangular, like like triangular is cool because that's what we did on the Hubble, right? Or on a, geez, what? This guy, this guy, this is what it could be, right? Or we could be the triangles that made them, right? We don't know. We need studies. Next one. Now, very, 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 very important. You watch between here and here. Do you guys want to see this? Because it's really, it actually, well, everyone's seen the movie. We all know that Europe gets super cold and all the hot places get hotter, right? That's the bottom line. Next one. Hi, right, next one. This is another. Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So EMP burst, very important thing, especially for an upper atmospheric explosion. Like I said in a past presentation, that almost happened with a North Korean a uh, miniaturized device on a Chinese rocket launcher went through the Panama Canal. We caught it and stopped it, and it was hidden underneath all those bags of sugar. Uh, Peter Pierce, God rest his soul, um, who had recently passed, he actually had, will mention this in some of his presentations, how we discovered it and, and stopped it from happening. But, but they could have just hit the button, launched it, put it over our head, and we'd be out of energy. And then within one year, 910 people on Earth would, or on our area, in this area would die. So we don't want that. This can prevent that. Next one. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know this fact. Here's our ill wind. Who imports death? And what's it caused by? Pollution. That's an old one, right? I use this book right here. Best knowledge you can ever see is this visual. It's a it's visual capitalist, and it, it actually shows every industry of everything in very well thought, very well thought out charts with, with hard data and hard science, not the Fauci science where he says, oh, no, you don't need masks. Oh, wait, yeah, you need masks. Oh, no, you don't need one. You need two. 
And then it, you need three. So this is real stuff, not the BS science that he claims he has, which is BS. Next one. Okay, another warning. <laughs> love your neighbor. That doesn't show love your neighbor. We can hover these things over. Come on, we're going to go to the next one. This is cool. We can hover over any of these with power stars. We can actually find the sweet spot of a missile immediately and vaporize it as soon as it launches, immediately. Or you can put it overhead and let the shrapnel hit them. Or you can get it to a clearing when it's before it leaves the atmosphere or something, and you can vaporize it then. So, so all these things have to be figured out. And there is plans and maps to do that. Go on. Okay, so these are our existing things. <laughs> I've done this presentation two years ago. Go on. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry, I had to duplicate. Keep going. Sorry, Dave did a very great job and applause to Dave. Oh, by the way, do you see how big that, how little that truck was and those people are? Go on, Zip. That 200 megawatts is just blows my mind. 200 smokestacks are gone because of one? Go on. Yeah, 230 suns? <laughs> and then if I had 10,000 of those, how many suns did we just create? Next one. This is the old systems. Next one. Dave talked this. Go on. Zippity doo da. Zippity a. And keep cruising, baby. This is in case you don't know the frequencies we're at. The best one that we know of is 5.8 gigahertz for transmitting electric energy. The guys at Raytheon know it better than anyone else on the planet. They're the only ones, them and Tesla are the only ones that've done wireless energy transmission successfully very well. John Mankins knows exactly where they're at. As long as John's in the loop, love you, John. Wherever John's in the loop, he'll tell you the facts. He's our, our other NASA brother. Next one. Like he said, right there. How much interference from clouds and daylight? I was at a meeting, and I think we were talking lasers, that's why, or something. And he said 50% was lost due to clouds. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Intenuation is nothing. Dave's right. That guy was wrong. Go on. So that's the basic concept of how it works. Go on. See, I had to put it on a picture so people learn. Everything on my website, none of this is, this is actually not on the floor right there. What you're looking at there, which is alligator and crocodile proof, is right there. Now, this scrim, which could be that, is how you nuclear hard stuff, you know, 60 dB is, a, is your, what everyone knows for a Faraday, right? 110 is how you make it invisible. So go on, everyone knows that. Go on. Ah, example. For testing it, here's what we need when the flood happens. I'm gonna to explain to you because it doesn't exist yet. We need tops of boats with this material on it all the time. So that way, and we need to mass produce these at millions and billions, whatever. Where all that water is, each one of these needs a toilet and needs a way to, you need to self-support. You need desalination in it, which I, I have a friend that knows how to do that from seawater. We do desalination, you do water, communications, electricity, everything except oxygen, right? And then these, you need pods like this that come off a ship in case of a tsunami. But you need these just after everything's settled down and everything's cool, 
have these for pleasure cruising, man. Can you imagine having your own boat? You cruise around and you have free energy and unlimited range that you want just by having one of those and this. This is pretty darn cool. I wish I had one. Oh, wait, I do. <laughs> Go on. So we need those right away for rescue. My buddy who said, can we put them as skins? Because I've done 18 airplanes with my buddy. So Austin Aerospace, you probably know me. Uh, that's what it is. But it doesn't have to be segmented like that. It would be the whole skin embedded into it as a composite hybrid. Like we always do things. You know, instead of metal matrix composites, this is matrix composites. And then, so, so here's evolution. Solar, solar fabric right there. <laughs> this is Faraday cage, bulletproof hardened. So what we do is we put like a Dyneema in it, or we could do an S2 glass, or you could do maybe a graphene matrix. You would actually get the best bulletproof fiber as your substrate, okay? This guy right, well, in that other prior one. The substrate would be bulletproof. You have that and this stuff over it. It's a self-powered bulletproof on the future combat systems, I was doing systems engineering, leading that, and it was electromagnetic armor that we were doing. And this is electromagnetic armor in its best form right here. So what we do is we wrap all our fuel trucks with it. We make, we spent more money air conditioning tents in the Iraq war than we did for the entire NASA budget. I've said this many times. You put Peltier devices inside these things. Now you have air conditioning and heating. Why don't we do that yet? Okay, I just told you what to do. Peltier devices. That's how we cooled our space suits, remember? So, so we need to do this, protect our critical infrastructure, our things that depend we depend on like fuels and being able to do things, EMP protection, communications back and forth. You can even have, say you, you touch somebody like this, they could be wearing another suit on the other side. This is Dave's idea and it's fantastic. And, and they touch you, you could see them touching you from the other side of the world by wearing a suit with stuff like this. And you could actually interact with each other. That's how kind of impact this could be. Oh, by the way, when you do this protection grid, say you do an entire power plant where a transfuser, you find it's susceptibility zone and vulnerability zone. Yeah, thanks for moving our earth there, God. I don't think he used his finger though, he used his air right blowing on it god yeah 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 god pushed it by blowing right <laughs> and whizzing it out there so anyway um so on these if you if you're in this power plant inside underneath you would actually have tons of leds embedded into them and as you walk by it would light up the section that you're in so you could see clearly only at that time and when you need to why don't we build those into it super easy to do standard method then you go into that's our evolution and then we got it we build these guys successfully and we the first launch is a minimum of three 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 of them so we have a plane and a decent reactive interactive system and then right so you want three spaces in space three of these in space and then and then they like we were saying 100 100 kilometers that's a monster Elon, that's huge, even to you, with your Falcon Heavy, but it's doable, not impossible. But the first launch should be like, because we already did the 41 kilometer NECA, uh, Echo, let's do 100 
right? Let's do a hundred meter. 300 meters, launch them right away and beat the shit out of them. Like we do on all, everything we design and build. And then it should be a competition between rivals. Each rival we have, China, Korea, uh, India, everyone should, should try to make these. Because if you're going to start messing with weather, which I'm going to explain some to you guys very well, um, you need the entire world to work together on that. So hurry up. Let's get to the next one. I'm trying to beat that uh, March 15th tsunami in, in uh, San Francisco, which I'm very, very concerned. Where in the hell am I going to go on that day? Oh, so this is what Dave was saying about TRL, technology readiness levels. All those technologies already exist. They're at a higher level than the integration of it, which is turnkey. Next one. I'm that quick. So yes, I use this at the end a lot. A global transformation and our transformation, I know this is like the tree hugging model. We bad oil, bad, bad oil, bad dog. Stop it. <laughs> Never be that way. Never, ever be that way. You need the oil because you need to produce as much as you can while you're here on earth. Keep it running. Put that gas pipe back on, man. Finish that uh, that pipeline. You got to do it, man. Otherwise, you're in for a heap of a lot of trouble. Next one. We already went through this. Next one. Dave already talked this, which you guys know. This is part of the shield, the armor. Okay. We talked how we can get rid of all this problem, right? You could float these by there. I remember our Space Force leader. Hi, guy. Uh, what was it, $500 per kilogram or so? Or no, I think it was 500 per kilogram. So what if you had, uh, how big would it have to be to get you that? Plus it produces power after it wipes everything out. <laughs> put, a, put a number on that one. All your, all your threats, it vaporizes it. Give me a number what that's worth to you. Next one. Where do we start? All right. My brother's at Northrop again. <laughs> I just love Northrop. I love Boeing. I love all our aerospace group, man. We've, we've done spectacular things. I think I've worked at almost every one of them that's, that's big. So anyway, we need to model the entire Earth like this with a bunch of power stars. We need to do a hypothetical models, right? We need to do modeling and simulation. And we need to look at as many years as NASA and NOAA have for the models of the Earth and the weather. And those become mm, categorized uh, threads. Right, as you know, how they threads overlap and weave for, for zone. When you do modeling and simulation, people know what I'm talking about. We have to do that. Next one. <laughs> so, so everyone on Earth should have one of these at their cities. Anyone working on it should have that. And then everyone, every person that works in that country should have access to put simulation models in it and ideas. And so they could just bounce these ideas off these three-dimensional models, and then they could do simulation on their own. Wouldn't that be cool? Having the whole world help you evolve to save your own world, right? In death. So we make the power star for this. Keep these guys cranking. We protect inf critical infrastructure with protector grid. Regular Instagram. Oh, what if, what if the Saudis get mad and they shut us off of oil? Dave said. I wasn't allowed to talk Bible. I wasn't allowed to talk politics. Uh, yeah, no religion, no politics. And it sounds like a, a John Lennon story. So I'm telling you this stuff anyway. 
Critical infrastructure gets protected grid. Every house in America gets exact that stuff right there. And then the coolest thing is Dave says, anything that's not recognized as being friendly, like it, it has an associated added uh, identification to it, like a satellite we didn't put there and it wasn't, it wasn't authorized by us, goes bye-bye, right? Same thing with power. I love what Dave said about power theft. Say somebody wants to steal power from, from you. If it's not in the overall, overall arch of it, they don't get the power. Say you have threats in a city that's really bad and they're rioting or something. Click it off. Now, Stan is asking uh, when we can have this Q&A session. Okay, let's do that Q&A right now, guys. Did you want to kind of conclude it? Yeah, I'm going to conclude with this. The new currency should be this. It should be a digital coin backed by the Federal Reserve. Everyone should be able to buy these. This one has a John F. Kennedy behind it, but it should be split. It should be a Kennedy on one side and Lincoln on the other. So Lincoln on the past, Kennedy into the future with space force over the top. This should be the coin that we say with America. Ooh, the earth is flying fast right now. So um, like I'm talking, right? So, and then inside of it would have your digital remembrance, right? Inside tells you exactly your finances for it, right? And this is your coin. And you can bet on it. You could, every country should have one. And those countries should have coins. And that coin itself should be something that they all compete with, right? You don't subdue to the government. You compete to do better. <laughs> that's what we're here for, prosperity. So that's how you take care of that problem for finances. These are what we have to evolve better on everything in this power start. It, it, it is an advanced material. It is directed energy weapon. It is space technology and renewables. All of these things, all of this addresses here. Next one, Kenny. Go on, next one. We already know this. These are directed energy weapons right here. Next one. I'm going to fly through this because I got to show you everything before you can ask the question. Standard knowledge for directed energy weapons. Next one. This is the area that we're looking at, like the OPIR systems. Okay, this is evolution there. Next one. Again, if you went on to doing strategies, thank you, Paul Shemansky. All the strategies of looking at how do you evolve is explained right here. This is our existing systems. We need to do this, man. I love this. Semper Sitius. Always faster. <laughs> I think I just put the clockwork on. If we don't do it, our enemy will, and they'll wipe us out. Next one. Now I'm going to talk about weather, finally. Okay, so what we do is we have the... we have have this armor of God around the earth, okay, with the the angels. Each power star is an angel. All the fingers of them, as it comes out and does its work, are called angels. What you do, yeah, we need to do all this. We need everyone's help to do this. Next. Oh, you need to see these things. Next one. I'm not going to do it here. So, so, if you over, we all know that the earth only flies at a, a thousand miles per hour, right? If I had this entire source of energy around it and I'm traveling at the speed of light just about because it's electronics, what happens if I'm on the outside of the earth and and I traveled faster than the thousand mile rotation? What happens? 
The other thing, and you know exactly where in the universe you are at exactly what time and date. And you know how to, radi uh, you know, radiation-wise, move things around like a proton rocket. What if you had a whole, a whole army of proton rockets around your planet? Okay. Now, for weather, the atmosphere is only at a certain level, as we know. I'm not going to go into the details. Each one of these, as each power star is looking at this area, say there's going to be a tornado formation. You knew about it. It's going to happen before it even happens. You actually start peeling all the um, large wind currents because you know you're, you're ahead of them and you're behind them and you're above and below them. You can actually change that weather formation, you know, convection and condensation. You can change it right there because you're overlapping. And next, did I show the frequencies? Oh, there's your magic numbers. Oh, this is impossible. We don't know that. <laughs> anyway. I talked this one. Uh, oh, yeah. Leave this one here. We think we're the greatest thing on Earth, on Earth and the greatest thing since sliced bread. Everyone, say, pretending I'm bad, say everyone in the world that's listening to this, my voice right now becomes an American citizen. Right now, you're a, everyone on Earth is an American citizen. What happens? None of this communication could exist without America. No electronics, no communications. Uh, we couldn't get here today without that. My wife and I got married at uh, Henry Ford's estate, and I remember Edison's, he had a separate room and used to make fun of him because he always worked at night, and he hated the birds waking him up, so he put a bunch of stained glass birds on the windows just to piss them off. That's a gentleman's practical joke in that era. So, and the reason I mentioned that is if those, those two people didn't exist on Earth, what would happen? So that's why I'm saying, look at where you really are. Now, how about this? Say we do the same coin and we do a school choice coin with the memory in it. And everyone can put their money instead of, you could do union, which is government, or you could do school choice in a coin and invest your future retirement and your kids' future retirement on this, right? Um, so I'm going to say, so what happens? And then, so what you do, if you do the coin on school choice, then you tie up, here's how you have to do it. You have to tie the Department of Education with the Department of Corrections, and their goal is they get twice as much funding for every time they release they release a real prisoner that broke the laws of God, okay? You let them out of jail, or you correct them and reform them. That's the goal. So the goal here is to have no prisoners and a lot of educated people. The only way to do that is how do you control that? Without, with free speech and free, free liberty. I just told you how. Go on. <laughs> if it was only America, you do that. It's not just America. If I'm messing with, if we're going to mess with, with, weather, uh, interplanetary changes or proton rockets blasting through space, every citizen Earth. So what we should do is we should do the Gateway Frontier. Thank you guys at Gateway Frontier. I think they're at Northrop now. And we need to build your entire assembly system. And we're going to call the New Jerusalem the Blue House because it's actually up in outer space. And that distance has three rings, just like Ezekiel's, right? So you, you move them like one of those Ezekiel uh, gyros, gyros, right? 
around inside of a protected. Now they don't have to be surrounding. You could have this uh, power stars, uh, solar microwave fabric with holes in it. So as these things keep floating around, it's just acting as like your, your phantom shield as you go through interplanetary, you know, traveling. So next one. Oh, I would explain that later. Okay, so done, guys. Sorry if I took too long. I tried to blast mine because Dave was super important. He invented it after we discussed it and stuff. So thank God for that. And here we are today. Today, we actually unveiled Peace on Earth. You guys can either do it or you can keep hating your neighbor, which breaks the law, the second law. So your choice now. Um, now on March, see March 22nd, if March, March 15th is really the best day, uh, it should be a quicker one. So here's my proposal. By, by next week, Donald Trump and Mike Lindell need to actually show the 100% proof of any type of, I actually seen those Lindell's videos, I have them in that, and I watched the entire activity and seen that they actually mapped out corruption to the max. And I'm sure it was predicted many years before, and they had it all set up that way. I'm sure Barbara Boxer had her hand in it too. So, so they need to, Trump needs to show the proof to the whole world, and the Democrats have to defend it before it even happens. And if they didn't defend it, then they have to sleep in San Francisco March 15th of this year and have like a DNC party like, woohoo, we stopped Trump from running. He's never going to touch us again. And you're honest people and, and you don't believe in God, please, for, for the world's sake, go live in San Francisco March 15th because you never lie. You don't believe in God. It could never happen. And you're honest, right? That's how I conclude it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, uh, Questions? Yeah, there's a, one question was that you have a lot of video links. Is it possible to put it uh, put in like uh, one page? And so yeah, I'm actually going to take those video links. Yeah, I'm going to put it inscribed and I'm going to let everyone have access to the whole presentation. You can click on them anytime yeah, you want. Put it on one page or two page. Not easy. Make it, that's one subscription. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. No problem. No problem. So, uh, folks, uh, it has to it has to pertain to the content that you're looking at. Otherwise, if it, none of those links make sense. So sorry, that's not smart. Understood. I just relayed the question. So that's all right. Any any no, no are not wrong. Paul, you are still there. Paul, uh, you have any question? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, FYI, hi Sean. Uh, you and I oh, connected awesome. ten years ago, uh, LinkedIn over something Dan Raymer, and then I asked the follow-up question. I hadn't gotten an answer yet, so I'm just letting you know you're ten years late. But. Um, <laughs> When you talk to the screen, just as a side, just for us out here on the World Wide Web, uh, when you talk to the screen, I hear you. When you talk to the audience, you got to hold your breath and listen a little bit, FYI. Well, so I got I to gotta talk to this guys. Pretty much. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, he got the camera behind me. My mistake. I appreciate that. Um, so you asked, uh, you stated that uh, a gentleman, Lee, invented winglets. Like I wanted to ask this an hour oh, ago. Oh, Lee, yeah, and uh, he's in uh, Samsung and in Tejon, Samsung. They actually had the World Fair, R&D Fair there, and uh, he's actually over there. And it's the uh, it's actually North South Korea's uh, R&D center in, in Tejon. So, yeah, so what about Richard Whitcomb? 
I'm not from, I'm sure I know, but on this subject, I do not, I'm not from. I do. And so Richard Whitcomb invented winglets and that was my senior thesis. Oh, at Penn State. oh no, I, I, let me, let me, let yeah. me qualify this. He did the 747 winglets. Okay, that's fine. He didn't create them. The no, he didn't. Get no, going. no, he didn't. no, Na you guys in NASA did too. So, but uh, no, he only did that, you know, the laser one, the, is it called the Lisa? Is that what it's called? Yeah. And the 747 winglets when he did. That, that's who he Thank you for correcting me and not letting the whole world know who really invented it. That makes it even more valuable. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Oh, and uh, I got to ask one follow-up question was, you know, when, and, and you can answer this on doc, uh, Dr. Hyland. So if this is the end-all be-all to, you know, keep us safe against the world, why are we telling it publicly? Because you can't help, the, you cannot mess with the weather unless the entire world participates in it. Okay. Got it. And then uh, you were talking about how everything within four hours will be minus 80 Fahrenheit. Uh, but then you're talking about tooling around in the boat. Oh, that's a protection boat. Yeah. Say if nothing happened, you'd have okay. a self-powered boat. And then say something did happen, an emergency, like you got to get off the vessel and they got those orange ones that you've seen. You yeah. want something like that, that's self-sustaining. That's all. Copy. Uh, if you respond to LinkedIn, we'll rendezvous for a beverage. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you. And yep. love you, neighbor. Love you all, neighbors. We're done. Oh, any other questions, please? I would love to follow up sooner on this, but we don't have the time. Is that correct? Oh, by the way, I, by the can way, spend a little time I can do it. Yeah, you can. We still have time. Okay. But I'm going to jump. Well, see if any, more questions. any more questions? I can actually explain world peace right now. Sorry, does somebody want to say something? Yeah, what we'd have to do for world peace is we'd yeah. have to sign a world peace agreement on um, Good Friday this year, which would make the anniversary 10 years prior to the 2000 year anniversary of the murder of, of Jesus Christ. There was actually a question by Mr. Martin McLaughlin, uh, but I think it's more for Dave. Do you want to? Yeah, Dave, go ahead. Uh, Ask him. Have you looked, he left, but anyway, have you looked at PowerStar 2T propellant LH2 in a thermal rocket for cis-lunar transportation? It is very useful as well as electrical energy for ISRU and in space manufacturing. Yes, it is. He's right. So he said, have you looked at? Uh, I'm sure Highland has because he's taught probably more, aeros <coughs> more aerospace, space guys, PhDs than anyone I know. So uh, I'm sure he has looked at it. But I don't know if he looked into that application. Each application, because he was inventing everything, I'm sure those applications need to be thorough reviews and analyzed and do the model simulation verification, which causes trade. Uh, go ahead and go further. I have actually how we do this, how we make one. Go ahead. Let's go. Keep going. Which one? Uh, it doesn't work. Uh, uh, no. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Go. Oh, keep cruising, baby. I'm gonna go down. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, right here. Go, go down. Just one more. And one, one more. Take this one. Yeah. This, this is the, these are important concerns. Okay, all of these have to be done. These are for space war and tactics. 
This is our buddy and our, oh, by the way, all our space warriors out there, hello. I'm your buddy, Sean. And uh, so anyway, this all has to be done properly. I know Paul's already got heads up on it. Next one. Oh, next one. Yeah, I needed people to know that this kind of, these are the questions that'll be asked and we have to answer the questions. So everything is systematically and logically linked with engineering science, not no BS. No, you don't need a mask. Yes, you do. Now you need two or three. So here's where we are right now, SMF. Okay. These are our models when we do standard high-powered microwave evaluation right there. All of these in there explains what we have to do. Next one. Aha. Everything must be digital, period. That modeling and simulation with the uh, hologram, digital modeling, this is how you do. How do you do three-dimensional modeling and simulation? All of this right here. And this is how you do model-based systems engineering, this and this combined. And how do you answer all the questions? Right here. Real science, not theory. Next one. That's those things. Next one. We're gonna we're gonna really blow people's minds now. I I'm gonna go right into harmony and world peace. I know. Oh, by the way, my buddy here, my super lawyer Mike, can contest. I am not high. I'm on no drugs whatsoever. And uh, next one. This is a dead guy. I thought this is funny as hell. <laughs> Imagine having those guys on your mind all the time. Wouldn't that suck? So there you go. Are we? Right? So anyway, I think we should take this side. Next one. Oh, by the way, did you know that? I, I always had one question. There was one question in the Bible I never could understand. One prior. Prior, not after, before. Pre, pre. Ah, I never knew why I go. And they were all working in unity and communicating super well together. Why would you condemn that God? And this is what the answer is. Of course, it's pride because they wanted to be like him and at that heist. And they were on a mission from uh, Nimrod or Nebuchadnezzar or one of the two. And uh, anyway, they cared more tech for, so what happened with the Tower of Babel? They cared more for the new technology, like everyone in software and hardware and technology. You got that World Economic Forum, which is a, a fraud of an organization, and the World Health Organization, a fraud of an organization. So they even bragged about COVID killing a lot of people. Can you imagine being in an organization that does that? So anyway, so when a person fell off and died, the temple, they didn't stop or mourn. But if a brick fell, oh, my God, then they would have a funeral for it, right? That's idolatry, idolatry in the right way. And it wasn't their time. So that. Oh, and by the way, what causes that? They cared more about new technology than they do people. What does that? Communism, socialism, and Democrats. That's what does that. Next one. Sorry if you're a Democrat. 
I didn't mean to piss on your parade, but I had to say it. Yeah, and, and we have to clarify because uh, AIW doesn't want to get into political issues. Yeah. Uh, so we have to state that uh, all the presentation doesn't represent opinion for AIWA or the Los Angeles yes. section. You got that, guys? This is not, AIWA does not endorse anything I'm saying about that, especially politics. We talk science. Yeah, we are too. So I just backed it up with science. So anyway. This question here, everyone <laughs> needs to ask, if you're so Darwinism, make me one of these. That, that's a damn good question. You can go to the next question, or next slide. All of this should be concerned about, right? We could do this, bring peace on earth, or and be like this guy, next one. Lack of food, right? But go on, no more politics or no more religion, right? We got to be Jen Lennon in this place. And this is how we go throughout the planet. And uh, I love what he said. And this is definitely a fact. A woke is a phony state of awareness sought by failures seeking to find injustice in everything but their own behavior. And we are, oh, and my buddy, God bless his soul. Nabil Qureshi wrote this great book. He's a fourth generation, big time Muslim. Muslim and he was going for his doctorate degree at uh, Harvard. And he didn't, he was, you know, hardcore Muslim. And he was talking to another guy, who, which was an atheist. And they had an argument. And he wrote a book because he went to the factual evidence and found that in 30, what, 30 years, less than a decade, like 30 years from, the death of Christ, all these documents prove exactly what happened. So it's Jesus walked on earth. Vatican can back me up 100% that they have evidence of that exact date. And that. So this this Good Friday is, is the 10-year, negative 10 years of 2,000 years ago that we murdered him. So, so anyway, and he's got the facts now. The first writings of Muhammad was mo over 150 years after. So it, it was already misconstrued. It wasn't near the source of, of the actual evidence. Very good book to read. We became pals up until, you know, his family, he had a baby. His family never forgave him, which means they have no repentance in their soul. They never forgave him and never seen their own grandkid. And he passed on from cancer quickly. And that was it. So anyway, good man. And we're done. Thank you. Thank you so much for presentation. Appreciate it. And if I offended you, I didn't mean to. I had to say this because it has to be said. And you need to look at. I have a guy. I'll put the person's name in the video of, of that uh, tsunami coming at us in a, well, 11 days. Yeah. A link, uh, links will be put. Oh, yeah. So if you want to cut from Space Force, here you go. Thank you. So, folks, I'm Thanks, guys. Uh, sorry, you don't have the cup, but if, if you really love the cup, please let, let us know. Uh, so thank you so much again for joining us uh, for today's presentation. It's a, uh, a good study and good concept, so uh, open to discussion and freedom of express. Um, uh, even though AWA doesn't uh, you know, uh, endorse any of the view from any of the speakers, and, uh, um, but it, it's a platform for people to express their study uh, concept. Uh, so, uh, so if you're interested, please contact the speakers, and uh, uh, we uh, 
welcome, you know, discussion and uh, look for more science and technology. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and uh, see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Professor. Yes, thank you.